If you would, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. And uh, today I, I feel confident to say that this sermon has a little something for everyone in the room. I, I hope that all of the sermons I preach do. Um, but I feel even more confident based on uh, like even the topics that are going to be tried to cover in this uh, and the application in our lives, maybe even directly for us uh, in a variety of ways. Uh, I want to acknowledge, if you didn't catch by some of what Moses just said or haven't looked down at the text yet, uh, I want to acknowledge that over the last couple of years in particular, Marriages and families have gone through a lot. Uh, it's been a particularly difficult time, as I, as I think about the last couple of years, even in ministry for me. Uh, but I am so encouraged that God's word speaks to us about our struggles and gives us insight even how we should be interacting and, and what relationships should look like. And so God doesn't just kind of leave us alone to our uh, hardships or heartaches, but he actually gives us uh, thoughts and insights before they even come and then after we're, when we're in the middle of them. So, so thankful for God's word in this way. So because of that, why don't we go ahead and go to God's word and hear what he has to say. So Ephesians chapter 5, we'll start with verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of the body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves or bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, that he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. So, hopefully you heard in that a category that will 
directly apply to you. But what I want to encourage you is that even when uh, one of the categories might not be your title, that you would still pay close attention to what God's Word has to say and the responsibility that we need to understand uh, what it looks like to follow Christ. And ultimately, what we'll see in this is over and over and over the responsibility of surrendering our lives to Christ, what it looks like to submit to Christ in this way. So the first reality, the first truth here that we find in this text is that a wife is called to submit to her husband. Right, again, in these first few verses here, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself a savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, I realize that uh, there is a just a, a part of a wife who uh, pushes back against that. We'll get to husbands in a minute and what we push back against, but this is, is because this isn't like of our flesh. But I want you to see some, some great celebration here of the gift that wives are, in fact, the gift that, that women are. I, I think back about uh, in Genesis, right? So you go back to the book of Genesis, Genesis 1 and 2, and you see creation happening. And in verse 18 of chapter 2, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had, made, had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he could call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was his name. So you got this picture, right? So as, as Adam has been created, uh, God, God is bringing by all of the animals. And as those animals are coming by, Adam has got the responsibility, the task to name them. So giraffe comes by. Adam says, that's a giraffe name. He doesn't like, I don't think he goes like George, right? I think he gives it its name, right? There's a giraffe. There's an elephant. He names it an elephant. There's a, uh, a cow, a dog, whatever the animal is. He names that animal. But then, remember, this is, this is because the, uh, God is saying, realizing that the man should not be alone, but the man gives, uh, gave names to all livestock and the birds of the heaven and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. While he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made uh, into a woman and brought her to the man. Then, all right, catch this. So, so he's seeing animal after animal, giraffe, elephant, and then a woman comes in front of him. And he like burst into poetic song. Right? Can't you imagine that? Right? He says, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So there's actually something exciting. He, he looks and says, this one is like me. He certainly does not call her a giraffe and definitely not an elephant. Right? Like that's not what happens when she walks around. He says, like, she looks like, she's like me. Now she's certainly different, right? We're going to see how God has made male and female different. There's no question about that. I want to be clear that that is different than what the culture might say. We are not the same. However, do understand this. There is more to be celebrated in the sameness than in the differences here. And what we're seeing is that male and female were made distinct by God. They're the only two that are made in the image of God. 
So when, when Adam looks, he says, that, that one's like me. Like there's, there's bone in my bones, flesh of my flesh. So then we should be together. There should be something special here. And in light of that kind of sameness, we'll see that, that submission here does not imply inferiority or less than. Right? We already know also from Paul that there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, there's no male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This language from Paul is, is not saying uh, less than, but the wife that chooses to follow. Tony Evans even says that submission refers, in this case, to a hierarchical order that should be called upon only when necessary. Piper, John Piper says that it, it refers to a wife's divine calling to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and then to help carry it through according to her gifts. It is not an absolute surrender of her will. Ladies, be encouraged. This is not meant that your mind or your heart are to be checked at the door and to be ignored from here on. Submission in marriage is not an issue of demeaning women or getting wives to simply obey the husband's command. Instead, Paul offers a picture of a wife that is willingly submitting to the husband that God has placed in her life. But I want to be abundantly clear. I, as your pastor, and we, as your elders, do not condone encourage or turn a blind eye to abuse of any kind. It is inexcusable, it is unacceptable, and we want you to know that we are here for you. And we will strive to do whatever we can to keep you and your family protected. And, and I, don't, I don't even know all what that might look like, but I, I want you to, to hear that we love you and want to care for you in these ways. And so if you need to share something of this nature, please make that a high priority. We want to hear from you. You can contact me. You can contact an elder. Or if you'd rather speak to a woman, we completely understand. Diane Wentworth here at the church is more than willing to meet with you, talk with you. In fact, just so you know, we are working right now in establishing a group of ladies that will be available for scenarios just like these. So, so be on the lookout for what that, uh, in the months ahead about this. And, and while those issues are without a doubt important issues for you to hear even me speak to, I do want us to hone in on what the text at hand has to say. These few verses give us some important information regarding a Christ-centered marriage and specifically give insight toward the role as a wife. So in this work of submission to your husbands, serve as a helper to your husband. See yourself as a needed counterpart. Husbands, I will, I will say this. Let me speak to you, even though we're not to our part yet. Uh, value your wife and her opinion. Ask her for her input. Remember, Eve came from Adam's side not his foot. 
this requires a particular humility for husbands and wives. This type of relationship requires dignity and care from both of you. So act as a helper. Wives, also act as a nurturer. It is in men, like the, the way in which a mother and a father respond and interact with their children is certainly different. Both are needed, but I also need you to know that you ought to nurture your relationship with your husband. Your love for your children should not supersede your love for your husband. Like we are in the, at my house, we are in the, the meat of parenting, right? I praise God for that. I'm super thankful. Don't hear me complaining. I got three middle schoolers and a kindergartner. And it is, it is good. It is loud, but it is good, okay? Uh, and, and, and yet, like, we have to, right now, be thinking about the day that one day we'll be empty nesters. And we want to actually like each other then, too. Right, and so there's, there's something to us that's not just nurturing our children, but it's also nurturing and caring for our relationship. So prepare for the empty nest in that way. Wives, serve as a nurturer, serve as a, as a supporter. Like speak words of encouragement. Like say kind things publicly even to your friends about your husband. If, if you'll indulge me for just one second, this was easier in the first hour because I know she doesn't like this, but I'm going to do it anyway. My wife is truly remarkable. So many of you know this of her, uh, but I, I think about uh, Proverbs, who, the, the wisdom of Solomon, the excellent wife is the crown of her husband. That is certainly the case for me. I have found a good thing and have obtained favor from the Lord. She is far more precious than jewels to me. But not just because she submits, but because she is wise and insightful and knowledgeable. And if I'm honest, she's way smarter than me. Yeah, yes, thank you, son. But hear this, wives, this is so important to this text. Wives, you are intended to display the gospel to the world by the way you submit to your husband. Have you ever thought of that? That the way you submit to your husband is intended, designed to show the world how you submit to Christ. Consider that as your main priority as you walk through this life together. Husbands, you're not off the hook. A husband is called to sacrifice for his wife, right? I hope you notice this, that there are a few verses for wives, and then there's three times as many for husbands. Seems like uh, maybe it's so that we'll actually get it. Paul has to say it repeatedly, maybe in a few different ways. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ 
Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man, as we already heard, shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Love your wife as yourself. He says, let each one of you love his wife as himself. (laughs) You're certainly not off the hook, husbands. I'm not off the hook. If I'm to do for my wife what Christ did for the church, then I must die for her. Like that's, that's what we remember, right? So when it says, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And so you think back to the life of Christ and what did Christ do for the church? You don't think about the miracles he did. You don't think about the fact that he walked on water and say, that's what Jesus did for me. You don't think about the fact that he uh, fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, right? You don't think that. Oh, you weren't even there for that. He didn't do that for you. He didn't make the blind see and the lame walk and the deaf to hear just for you. But you know what he did do for you? Christ died for you. So if you want to imitate Christ, you're not supposed to walk on water and feed the 5,000. You're supposed to die for your wife. Sacrifice. And it, the way that it seems to practically play that out is, is different than like a, a physical death. So here are four practical ways to sacrifice for your wife when when you are leading your family. All right, husbands, make plans for your household based on God's greatest glory. So your first priority should be whatever it is that brings the most glory to God. That is your task. Secondly, as you're making those plans, make decisions based on your wife's best interest rather than your own. You see, I agree with Tony Evans who says, we as men far too often want to know what our wives have done to meet our needs each day rather than looking at what we have done to meet theirs. Husbands, think of your wife first or second, God, and then your wife. And then make adjustments regarding your own needs as of least importance. So see yourself as not the most important person in the household, but but make disciples based on the significance of the family. This is your job. It is your task to, to lead, teach. And maybe you have a wife like mine who is smarter than you. That doesn't mean you can't open the Bible and read it to your family. It doesn't mean that you can't pray over your family. No, it means that you are called to do just those things. Don't forget, right? Sanctify your wife for the Lord. Help her. Encourage her. Speak truth over her. Pray with her. In fact, I would would say this. So uh, I, I do better to remember things that all start with the same letter. Okay, so pray. Pray over your wife. Like literally, maybe even today, make this a goal. That today your wife would hear her being prayed for by you. Would you pray for your wife? Proclaim. Tell your wife the word of God. Open the Bible, read it to her, read it to the both of you. Protect 
this is part of your job. Not just physically, certainly that. That also means you don't bring harm to her, but guard her, her heart, from, from gossip and slander. And even if need be, help defend her. By the way, don't make fun of your wife. Don't make fun of your wife, her cooking, her cleaning, her job, her hair, her makeup, her nails, her clothing, her help with the kids, her driving, her skills, her quirks, whatever. Protect her emotions and protect her from the enemy. How do you do that? Well, you pray and proclaim. You pray for her and you proclaim the word of God to her. And when you belittle her in front of someone else, you're only serving to harm her. So stop. I would also say that for wives, by the way. Speak words of encouragement to him and about him and like in front of other people. Husbands, provide. This is our job. Like it's our task to provide for our wives. We see that over and over in scripture, these examples of the provider. But hear this. Husbands, you are to display the gospel to the world by the way you sacrifice for your wife. The way you you give up your personal preference for your wife can show the world that submission is okay. That it's actually good. The surrender of your own will is good. Make that your goal. One author says, Jesus Christ is the focal point of history and the reference point for all our obedience. Husbands, find in Christ a model for sacrificial, loving, strong, tender headship. Wives, find in the church submission to Christ, a model for intelligent, gracious, trusting, respectful submission. Though these commands may be designed to reverse the sin of Eden, where the woman usurped her husband's authority and the man relinquished his sacrificial leadership, the Bible never roots these gender roles in the fall, let alone in a certain cultural context. Instead, these roles are meant to be an expression of the unchanging gospel dynamics of Christ's relationship to the church and the church's relationship to him. Marriage should display the gospel. But this work of displaying the gospel is not only left to husbands and wives, but also for children. So, hey, kids, oftentimes I get you to draw something or to to, uh, do some kind of activity. But today, I just want you to listen carefully to this next part, okay? A child is called to surrender to his or her parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And that promise is this, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. All right, this general area, I also know there's some of you over here. This general area right here is mostly student ministry people, okay? So listen up. Don't think that this isn't for you because it says children. You're like, I'm not a kid. Yes, you are. And second of all, the word it uses is actually the word techna, which is describing basically anyone who is under the authority of people, like their parents in their house. So if you're not paying the bills, you're not in charge, this one's talking to you. You're like, oh, no, I I pay the gas in my car. Ooh. 
great. But, but this is like all offspring, all people being raised by their parents. And what it says is pretty plain and simple. Obey your parents. This is not just hearing the command. It is actually doing it. And I realize, kids, uh, this is totally against what we want. Right? Submission to authority is unnatural for us. For any sinner. Paul David Tripp says, sin makes us want our own way. Sin makes us want to set our own rules. Sin convinces all of us that we know better. It causes me to want to do what I want to do, when I want to do, and how I want to do it. Sin makes me resist being told what to do by another. Sin really does insert me in the center of my world. The one place that I must never be because it is the place for God and God alone. You see, we obey our parents because it is right. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's actually the same word used for righteousness. Children, obey your parents because it is righteous for you to do so. But we don't just obey we're also called to honor, right? This is not just following the rules, but that you show grace and kindness and respect, right? The picture that always comes to my mind is that when you're told to go clean your room and you stomp your way down the hall to go clean your room, that's, not, that's obedience, but it's not honor, right? And... And when you tell all of your friends that you're only having to do this ridiculous thing because your, your parents are making you do it or your parents won't let you do that really fun thing that would be so great that you're not going to get to do it. That's not honoring. It's not respectful. It's not loving. It's not kind. And so I want you to hear this. Children, you are intended to display the gospel to the world by the way you surrender your will to your parents. I don't know if you've ever thought of that, but others around you look to you, you who are saying, I'm a follower of Christ. How do we, how do we see that played out? They're obedient. They're honoring to their parents. Well, that, that seems different. Consider this before you choose to talk back to your parents or before you choose to disobey or lie to them. This can be good and should be. I want to speak specifically to fathers because the text speaks specifically to fathers. A father is called to shepherd his children. I don't think that Mothers don't have a task or a responsibility. Uh, I just think Paul doesn't specifically address it. So I'm going to talk to dads just like he does. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Dads, I think it's worth us asking how we're doing. How's that going at your house? Do you, how do you discipline? Do you 
Do you laugh and play with your kids, even your teenagers? Or are you always standoffish? When you come home from work, are they glad or are they disappointed? Are they now walking on eggshells just because you arrived home? Are you silly with them? Or maybe are you only silly with them? Meaning that you, you don't ever provide discipline? You, you only go one way or the other? Do you leave difficult topics for the church? Or do you leave difficult topics like for the school even? I don't want to have to address that thing. Let somebody else handle that topic. I don't want to talk about that. Maybe they'll handle that in youth group. Do your, do your kids feel affection from you? Hugs, kisses, saying I love you, I'm proud of you, good job, keep it up, good work. Even this, this one verse is it's pretty challenging to me as a dad. Bring them up with discipline and instruction of the Lord. I will say this to both moms and dads, echoing the words of Paul David Tripp again in his book, Parenting, excellent book. He writes, Mom and Dad, you have no ability at all by the tone of your voice, by the force of your personality, by your physical size, or by your threats to deliver your children from their addiction to self-rule. If you had that power, Jesus and his work would not have been necessary. But Jesus does have that power. So, parents, rest in Christ's work. Dads, rest in his work. But understand that you are intended to display the gospel to the world by the way you shepherd your children, by the way you lead and care in your home. Remember that the next time you start to correct them. Finally, a bondservant is called to serve his master. Bondservant or slave here, obey your earthly master with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good in anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Right? Do everything. This is, and speaking of bond servants, this is really like employees. Do everything as you are working for the Lord. Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work heartily. Work with diligence as to the Lord. Right? This speaks to both bond servants and masters, like employees and employers. Employees, did you realize that you're intended to display the gospel to the world, to your other coworkers, by the way you serve your employer? The way that you respond and react and interact with your boss can be a display of the gospel. Maybe you are an employer. You think the way in which you interact and respond and Give instruction to your employees. You are intended to display the gospel. You know, these, these are hard topics 
I think they're, they're hard, not because they're so difficult. Like the words here make sense. Right? It's not like it's got tricky words. But it's difficult for our flesh to agree with them. We just don't like them. I, I can think about any one of these categories that is not as uh, my preference. I want you to go with me, though, to the, the last verse of the, the section right before this, where we finished last week. So chapter 5, verse 21. Remember that, that this is a letter. So when Paul wrote this letter, it didn't have the subheadings. It didn't have the little extra categories for us. And so he's just continuing writing that as we walk in light, as we walk in love, as we walk in wisdom, as we walk in the spirit, what does verse 21 say? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul didn't break these sections up. It would have been read all together. And so when Paul writes submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, he's really continuing by giving examples of what we would describe as mutual submission. Right? Wives submit, husbands sacrifice. Children obey, fathers do not provoke to anger. Slaves uh, honor, masters honor, respect. These, these are this, this picture of... of uh, surrender and submission of your own will. And why do we do this? We do this because as we've already seen, because we've taken off our dead old self and we've been given new life in Christ. These things that are contradictory to the world or to even our own flesh, they're simply a, a further walking out of the love, light, wisdom, and spirit of Christ. It is not a wife's flesh to submit to her husband. It is not of a, of a husband's natural desire to sacrifice for his wife. It is not a child's inclination to obey his or her parents. It's not a father's ease to discipline in love. It is not natural for an employee and certainly not for a slave to always obey. But these, these are the things that we do that are contrary because the Spirit of God wants to use us to display the gospel to the world. You see, the act of submission is a key component to the gospel. When I was growing up, I think uh, it, it was far too often highlighted or focused on, put too much emphasis maybe on praying a prayer and getting baptized. And, and what was not emphasized enough was lordship. I don't know if that's everywhere else still or what's happening everywhere. But, but here I hope that what you hear often is, is that we are to repent and believe. And in order for us to believe that Jesus Christ lived and died and came back to life, what we're, what we're submitting to is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when we say that he is Lord, we're saying we 
surrender to him. We submit to his commands, his laws, his rules. We follow whatever it is he says. And so the relationships in our life in which that is maybe uncomfortable or maybe unnatural for us, that's actually where we get to display a picture of the gospel for the world. And what we know, right, Christian, we know that, that when we surrender ourselves to Christ, you might say, like, some of you who are not followers of Christ might be thinking, like, why would I want to do that? Why wouldn't I want to just do my way? This, this plan seems pretty good. It's working so far. But what we know both according to the word and even by our own practical experience, we know that surrendering ourselves to God's will is always the best way. Not only will we get eternal life with Christ, but we'll get abundant life here on earth. Now that abundant life doesn't talk about uh, money or stuff or things. It's talking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We're going to get those things instead. We're going to be given the very spirit of God. We're going to be given his power, his, his ability, his, his authority is going to rest in us. This is what we're given. So if you don't know this Jesus, then I'm, I'm pleading with you today to put aside your own way, your own will, your own wants, your own desires. Put those things aside. Repent of those things, in fact, and trust in Jesus. Repent and believe. Turn away and trust in Jesus. And maybe you have more questions about this, things you're curious about. And I would, I would just uh, encourage you here to my left, there will be those who would love to talk to you more, answer questions you might have. But if, if you do know him, and maybe it is today that you needed to be reminded of in those, some of those relationships that you, you need to once again submit, sacrifice, obey, honor, you need to look to Christ and his example. And no matter how difficult, you will cling to him and his perfections, his wisdom. Surrender your all to Jesus. Submit yourself to him in your marriage, in your parenting, in your being a child, whatever it is, follow after Christ. Submit to him. Would you stand with me as we sur surrender ourselves to the Lord?